This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Illinois prisons aren't meeting the medical needs of inmates. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Nearly half of all medical positions inside Illinois state prisons are unfilled, and the private company responsible for managing the facilities has long failed to ensure adequate staffing. Complicating matters is the fact that the prison population in Illinois is aging. A third of all inmates are now over 55 years old, meaning the need for care is increasing. Together, this situation is causing a crisis of inmates receiving subpar medical care. WBEZ criminal justice reporter Shannon Heffernan has been investigating the issue and has the details for us. Shannon, to start, why are so many medical positions in the state's prisons unfilled? Well, I think one big reason actually relates to a larger trend. Nationwide, we have trouble having enough medical staff, especially in rural areas. And then you add on top of that that these jobs are in prisons. Those are really difficult places to work. I know I've spoken with um, at least a couple mental health providers who said the conditions were so terrible working inside there that they felt like they were delivering poor care and were worried they might lose their license. So I imagine that's something that other people who are looking at these jobs might be thinking about too. How long has this been going on? So the lawsuit that uh, appointed the court monitor was filed over a decade ago. Hmm. And my editor, Rob Wildeboer, reported on this many years ago. So this is something that has been a long time problem at Illinois prisons. Uh, The settlement happened in 2019. Since then, there have been some improvements, but really key issues like this staffing problem. Mm -hmm. The monitor says those have actually gotten worse since the settlement. Now, this is also leading to a safety problem. The court-appointed monitor that we mentioned says the situation threatens the safety of the folks who are behind bars. How so? Well, you know, if you're not getting adequate medical care, that's a safety issue. Um, We know that uh, historically from the the monitor's reports that there were actually uh, preventable deaths that happened behind bars bars. Um, you also think about if, uh, you know, healthcare includes mental health care, and if people aren't getting health care treatment, um, they may be more likely to act out. That's going to be a safety issue for themselves, for their fellow prisoners, and for staff at these facilities. Is there a sense of urgency with the Illinois Department of Corrections to uh, well, you know, fix I, this? I, I, That's a good question. I can't be inside their heads. I don't know their motivations. But, you know, you look at this timeline and you have to ask yourself, why isn't this moving quicker? Um, And if if they could make it move quicker, if they had a sense of urgency. Uh, That said, what what I think is worth noting is this isn't just a problem with the Illinois Department of Corrections. As you mentioned, Sasha, there's a a really uh, 
aging population behind bars and a a population that's getting sicker. Mm -hmm. And there's mechanisms to release those folks back out into the community. Um, And some of those aren't happening, not because the folks haven't gotten approval to be released and deemed safe to release, but because there's no place for them to go. There's no housing for them to go to. And in Illinois, you would need that housing to get released. So you would need nursing facilities, for example, that would take somebody Mm -hmm. with a felony record. So this is not to say like letting the Department of Corrections off the hook, but this is an issue that really is like a statewide problem. And the responsibility for fixing it goes outside just the department itself. Well, as you mentioned, lawyers for incarcerated people, they filed a federal suit against IDOC over these conditions. It was over a a decade ago. So let us know what's happened since. Like, have there been any improvements? Yeah. So there's been efforts to make sure the staff who are employed there um, have uh, proper credentials, that there's more oversight and review of the healthcare. So when a mistake happens, it's it's caught and taken care of. And those those improvements uh, matter. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to make progress if you don't have enough staff, no matter uh, even if you get that staff in really good shape. So given these staffing issues, what are the prisons doing to address the medical needs? When we talk about the prisons and we talk about medical care, we're talking about a private contractor. Illinois contracts out its health care to a company called Wexford. And uh, Wexford, similar to the Department of Corrections, has a long and problematic history around Healthcare, And we would like to really know what their strategy is here. Like, how are they trying to get more people on staff? But because they're a private company, it's more difficult to uh, get records from them. Mm -hmm. And even really simple things we've asked for. So we put in a public records request saying, like, how many open positions are there at each facility and what are those open positions? And Wexford told us, well, that's a trade secret. Mm -hmm. And if we revealed that, it would make it harder for us to compete in this market. So in terms of what they're doing to address medical needs, that would be a a question I would love to ask this contractor. But despite a request over the course of literal years, we've not been able to talk to them. And so that makes it difficult for the public to really understand what efforts are being made. Do you have any clue as to its track record, this company? Well, we know that they have a poor track record in Illinois because we have, you know, these problematic preventable deaths, right? Yeah. But we've also seen that in other states. In fact, some other states have moved to end their contract with Wexford. Um, and that contract is an important thing to talk about here because Illinois contract expired um, with Wexford. They've extended that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is that they are looking for bids. So I'll be really curious to see how that goes here in Illinois and something I'll be keeping a a close eye on. Um, You you talked about their history, so I'll just add one thing here. You know, over the course of this, we we have seen some pretty, what I would say are like horrific policies and stories coming out of there. For example, one thing we reported on was um, a so-called one good eye policy that was operating inside the Illinois Department of Corrections. What's that? Basically, yeah, basically, it's it's, it's exactly what it sounds like, which is... uh, if somebody had a functioning eye, they weren't entitled to get uh, health care for their other eye if it was related to vision. So like cataracts, for example, mm-hmm. that one good eye was sufficient for somebody behind bars. Now, after we reported that, they told us they changed that policy. But I think that sort of indicates to you when there is a company with a profit motive, You have to be very diligent in watching what ways they might try to cut cost and make sure that the needs of people are getting met inside. Because otherwise you can end up with these kinds of policies where people aren't getting 
healthcare that maybe outside in the community they would be able to get. Yeah. You decided to focus your reporting on Dixon Correctional Center. That's about two hours west of downtown Chicago. Why? So part of that was just a practical issue. The monitors report, um, where much of this information comes from, uh, had a piece of the report that focused on Dixon. So some of that was just about like what information was available to us. But it's also uh, Dixon is where some of the uh, oldest and sickest patients live. They have a geriatric unit there. Um, and the geriatric unit was actually one thing the monitor talked about Um the showers and bathrooms in that unit weren't ADA compliant, meaning that they weren't uh, accessible to people with disabilities. You think about a geriatric unit, you want to have facilities that are accessible to a person with disability. Um, We also heard that the majority of people on that unit had needs that actually exceeded the capacity of the facility and the staffs there. We'll leave it there. That's WBEZ criminal justice reporter Shannon Heffernan. Thanks for sharing this story with us. Thank you. episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Dan Tucker. Catch all the important stories happening in our state and across the country by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, leave us a rating and review so that more listeners can find us. That's all for this episode. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.